Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery and addiction topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The views expressed here are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of, the podcast where we talk about life, recovery, and the struggles along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Here we go. Okay, so I'm at work, right? And in my job, um, the way insurance and medical stuff works is that I got a degree and then I get licensed by my state to provide counseling to people and they say that I'm accredited or whatever. And then I go into this weird website and I put all those credentials in. This is my degree. This is, you know where I took a pee in third grade, every fucking thing about my life is on this thing. And then the insurance companies then go on the other end of this website and look at it and say, okay, he meets all the requirements. He can be credentialed by us. We can cover when our people see his him for therapy. So generally, that's a really seamless process. All the big insurance companies generally just, you know, he meets the recs, cool, check, good, done. So now we're at the stage of my career where the smaller ones are trying to credential me. Some of the smaller ones in the area that are still around, you know, labor unions sometimes have these stuff like that. And uh, I guess they aren't satisfied with the information that I've put on there to explain my criminal background. So they've started reaching out to my company and, you know, which gets passed to me (laughs) to give them a better explanation. So Already, that's uncomfortable for me, yeah. right? I'm a guy with a criminal background. There's some some less than feelings around that. Now I got people questioning if they're gonna like certify me to be a guy that's you know professional enough for them to give therapy, and that kind of bothers me that people get to judge me and decide that, right? So I sent them this email. I, I said the explanation. I, I tried to keep it pretty brief. I had some attitude in it. I don't know if they could read it or not. But, you know, like, look, this is what happened. I was struggling with some substance use stuff at the time. Um, I, I, you know, did these things to get money to support that habit. These were the amounts. Well, all of this stuff, right? It was, I mean, if we look at it, I had a theft over $300 because I stole a fucking air conditioner and some DVDs and pawned them, right? Like, this is the the crimes I did. Right. And then I stole my roommate's checkbook and wrote two $45 checks to myself because she had like $96 in her fucking bank account. Hmm. And that's what I have three felonies for, the sum <laughs> total of $390, basically, right? right? So anyway put this in there i send it back i'm like i'm annoyed about it but whatever it'll be what it is either they'll cover me or they won't i really don't give that much of a fuck it's not going to impact my life so they send back an email and i get this i can't remember if it was monday or tuesday morning i woke up to this and the lady says what treatment did you undergo has there been any ongoing treatment what is the current state of your sobriety and i said what in the fuck is this (laughs) You're trying to professionally credential me and you're asking about my criminal background and history, which, okay, that's public record. This feels like you're asking about my fucking medical yeah, history. And and it feels HIPAA? like a HIPAA violation, yeah. right? So I talked with my boss and, and some of my coworkers about this and like... <sighs> The best we could think is that they're trying to come from the place not necessarily of criminal background, even though that's tied into this, but there's also a qualification to be... Um, 
you know, to be able to pass a urinalysis, basically. So they think that's where they're coming from with this line of questioning and being able to ask. They think they think their right to ask these questions of me is about whether I am able to give a negative urinalysis today. I'm trying to use some new terminology there. I don't know, man. Like this really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, you're asking about something that happened 20 years ago. And you're asking about like what if I'd have had cancer 20 years ago, if we're saying this is a fucking disease in the medical field and I'd have had cancer 20 years ago or diabetes, like you would not be asking me if I was still avoiding the ice cream in order to be competent enough to see your people like that just doesn't even feel right. Can you, know you just I mean? decline? Can you just say, I, I'm, I'm not interested in answering these questions. I, I'll decline. I understand that it eliminates me from inclusion in your program. So here's where my brain got ahead of me. Yes, I absolutely could have. My boss was like, you don't have to answer any of that bullshit if you don't want to. Um, I did not realize at the moment that this was going on on a Tuesday morning when my brain was fuzzy. I don't actually see anybody that's under this insurance yet. I was assuming at this point in time that I was already seeing someone and we were like risking not getting all the back pay for like three months or whatever. I didn't know. I went through afterwards and realized, wait a minute, I don't even have any people with this person, whatever. Right. But either way, it, it bothered me. I talked to people. I got the support I needed. The the people in my profession and my boss definitely stood behind me. My boss even said, do you want me to handle this for you? Um, it felt so fucking supportive to get that, right? I didn't have to defend myself why I feel this is wrong or nothing. Everybody was like, I'm sorry that they would ask you these personal questions. So I responded to them. Um, and I'm going to read that response to you guys, and, and we'll, we'll go from there. So I said, good morning. I'm not entirely sure how to professionally say this, so I'm doing my best to just say it gently, and I hope it comes across that way. I'm actually really surprised at these questions. They feel like questions about my medical history and not about my criminal record. I don't have any shame about my life around that, and I will answer these questions if that is what it takes to be covered and be able to help more people in the world, but it does really feel yucky. Another piece, and I'm trying to genuinely be helpful here, but I'm providing a link to an NIH article, National Institute of Health article, about how terminology matters for stigma and what we try to u- that we try to use medical terms when referring to substance use in order to lessen that stigma. Sober and sobriety, by extension, are not clearly defined medical terms. Um, its definition is something around blah, 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 blah. Uh, so I went on to say that I provided a link. I said, I understand that this isn't your personal policy and that this is coming from somebody else's desires to know this information. I'm not trying to point a finger at anyone just to raise awareness that these questions seem out of line with the industry standards on navigating clinician mental health history, substance use history, and engagement with the criminal justice system in the past. Our field sees persons with personal struggle, struggle in their story as extra qualified. All this to say, if these are the answers you need, I will provide them, but I really would love if the process of obtaining credentialing could be re-examined for 2023 and beyond. In speaking with the management at my company, Bodie, uh, they expressed being happy to help if revisiting the process of trying to protect the clients from unsafe situations with questions that might be more useful in determining that. Thank you for your time. So that was my explanation. Maybe I'm reading it because I want to say, hey, I advocated and stood up for people Hmm. and fucking like, let's all start taking a stand. But what are your thoughts on this? Because apparently, like, I guess there is no legal right or wrong around it and they can ask whatever the fuck they want it seems like and without repercussions what do you think about that should we be able to ask people about their history from 20 years ago just to make sure that 
us, our partners, our our kids are safe in seeing them as therapists or doctors or nurses or tell me. Hmm. I don't know. I was disappointed when you read your response that you were still agreeing to answer the questions. I wish you had taken a hard line and said, I'm, mm. I'm not, I'm not going to answer this. I could see that. I could see that. I, for me, it felt really good in saying, you know what? Even if y'all get petty, I'll go down to get petty just so I can help people. That felt good. That felt like really self-righteous and, uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm better than and you. And I, I wish there was so much more substance to it than any of this, to be frank. When I hear all of it, I'm like, all this is is some legal thing that if you're on fucking strung out on meth and give someone some bad advice that they covered under medical insurance, they don't get sued for saying yes. you're a licensed person. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out, that this is all legal bullshit. It's really probably all that it is. Yep. And that was beautiful. Everything you said was beautiful. Some lawyer's going to read it and be like, I can't use this in court. <laughs> you know, like, I can't. Yeah, like, yeah. I can't. It, they're not <laughs> trying to place any sort of judgment on you at all. Right. They're trying to reduce their exposure to liability right. Right. is fucking all that it right. boils down to. And, and that goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? That idea that when money is the most important part over top of life, we don't give a fuck about the unintended consequences of what happens in our questioning of making sure we don't lose money down the line. Right. We don't care about the life that's hurt or no. affected. Right. And that's the fucking problem in every oh, step yeah. of our life. Oh, yeah. I don't think they would care either way, whether you're going to help people or whether no. it's going to help you or whether or not. They're just. I don't know that there's an industry that's more characterized by that, that stance than the insurance industry. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hate insurance. I, I hate could. Genius. I mean, there's been so many Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's their business model. Yeah. Let me sell you something that I hope you never need to use. And then when you do need it, I'm going to try to not Give let you use right, it. Right, right, right. Because you're taking money out of my pocket. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I don't know, and maybe this is just in my life, and I'm not trying to take it somewhere else away from this, but I have been actually hearing more and more people talking about their care for the older adults that are close to them and how it's like non-existent and fucking awful and terrible. Like I, like I know this has always been a thing, right? We've always talked about senior care centers and all those kind of things, but I feel like specifically the last, I don't know, three to six months, this has just been coming up for me or in, in people I've been talking to a lot. Has that like for you as well? Or maybe this is just the nature of who I talk to and what I talk about. I don't know anyone much in senior care at the moment. Now I have no, people that have worked in senior care actually i know a few and the individuals i think are beautiful wonderful people like it takes a compassionate person but it's like any other job you know my job per se like you just like you're not always the one that gets to make the decision of whether you do something for free for somebody Mm -hmm. because you feel bad for them right i think in a lot of these especially medical insurance situations or elderly care situations it's like you can't just you know provide thousands of dollars of services because the person needs it when mm. their insurance company tells you no and and, <laughs> like, and that's where we're getting it wrong yeah. man that's oh where, yeah, yeah for sure people but i'm saying if you're the care. part-time worker or even full-time worker that works there at the facility like sure you might go out of your way to try to do little things here and there but you know 
The worst thing we ever did was invented the myth of the company or business or organization. Right. Because the company, business, or organization can act in ways that are not human and can dehumanize people. Right. And we'll still say the company's fine because it's a company. Its point is to make money. Its right. point is to put people second. But that's who's got all the fucking money and running the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's not working, right? That If it was, if it was not Coke, Coca-Cola, if it was Bob Smith... And Bob Smith fucking accidentally poisoned some people. We'd all stop fucking with Bob Smith for a long enough time that Bob Smith wouldn't be important anymore. Right. You know, Jake, Jake Schmoll over there has his own Coca-Cola version that tastes just fine and doesn't fucking kill people because he spends more time with it or whatever. Like when you start maximizing profits over people and you have a company that you can say that's allowed to do that, you, you're always going to have life second. And that yeah. is not good for any of us. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, and it's tricky. And just to, you know, I guess because when you first read that letter and all that stuff, I'll play devil's advocate okay. for a minute because immediately what I think is, yeah, what they're trying to do is protect themselves yeah. from someone, you know, some fraudster, shamster, whatever guy who ended up in jail for 30 years and why he was in there, did some classes to get some certification. <laughs> and really, he's still right. some for lack of a better word, you know, living uh, not a good life. His intentions aren't specifically good, but now he's got this degree and he's trying to, you know, therapy people. And you hear about the fucking crazy, uh, I shouldn't say crazy, the eccentric therapist people. There was the guy who took the people out into the woods and did the uh, sweat lodge in the tent with the heater and killed all those people like you know what i mean so they're out there too and even if he was well-intentioned he wasn't i don't know if sane's the right word he didn't know what he was doing obviously you don't take people and shove them in a tent how many people was it i forget how many Mm. this was years and years ago but and i only knew because at the time we were participating in a sweat lodge and we know some people that do a sweat lodge. Then when we heard this guy's version of a sweat lodge mm. that these people died in, it was like a uh, fucking joke. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. right. But, uh, you know, and that's what they're looking out for. They're like, how do we with out like getting to sit down and personally interview this person, make a decision on whether they're safe to be around other people. I mean, that's probably the fastest a therapist has ever run a group into ending their miserability. <laughs> oh, sorry. Just trying to make light of that. Um, Yeah, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I get it, right? And even as I was saying it, when I was asking for your guys' thoughts, like the thought occurred to me, uh, you guys might be all right with this uh, as people who... You know, if you're sending your somebody you care about, and, and I especially think in Billy's case, your children, right? If you're sending young children or to a therapist, yeah, you kind of want to make sure they're safe. I get that, right? I don't know, though. I guess it just doesn't leave room for... It's kind of like the conversation we were having off, you know, sound or off recording earlier, Caroline. Like this idea that they're saying this one thing means this thing about everybody or even about most people. And I'm saying, no, just because people have made mistakes in their life and got involved in the law has nothing to do with who I am. Yeah. That's a very small piece of who Jason is. Yeah. Right. Like in the context of, of being a professional therapist, there's so many things that can make someone dangerous 
that have nothing to do with criminal history or substance abuse. Well, I just wonder, like, if your uh, previous charges were around sexual violations or whatever you call it, like, what, they would probably want to answer some questions about that. I feel like there's not. I mean, okay, so maybe, maybe there is in this point some kind of, like, sex offender or click in a box that says I'm not a sex offender. I would think so, too, but... I feel like I don't, maybe it's because I didn't have to fill out a section to explain why. I don't know. I don't remember that part of it. I mean, I could look at that. That has to be a disqualification yeah. off the bat. I so feel anyway, like we not take to, that so seriously. The sweat lodge thing was in 2009. Three people ended up dead. More than a dozen yeah. were in the hospital. Hmm. So That's awful. Yeah. Self-help guru took them all out in the desert. Yeah, we're going to do this therapy thing. It's going to be great. Well, I think this speaks to but, and something <laughs> you and I have spoken about before, Jason, that that is problematic, I believe, from both of our perspectives, the fact that there is no way to determine if someone is a good therapist. There Mm -hmm. are so many people out there operating, uh, probably not doing actual damage, but but wasting people's time, right? Like they might be perfectly nice and lovely to talk to, but they're not getting results. And you as a consumer of therapy really have no reputable source to say okay this person is going to be able to help me or not going to be able to help me this person has had success in their career or hasn't had success in their career Even with all that the insurance companies don't make any of that navigating any of that bullshit any easier at all like when i wanted to go to therapy so i go to my insurance i look and see who they cover they're only practices they don't give you like the specific individuals they give you practices then you go to the practice to see who this and this is the amount of research i did i'm sure most people don't even do this much not to put anyone else down but You know, then I go to the practice to start looking at the individual therapist there to see which one I might think, you know, mm-hmm. I want to talk to. And, you know, that takes however much time that takes to invest and then look at the next practice and the next practice <laughs> to figure out like, oh, I like this guy. Then to call the place and be like, hey, I want to set up an appointment with the, this guy. Does he have any openings and then no one got back to me for like three weeks so i was like oh i probably need to find somewhere else and i started that whole process sort of over again and then that guy finally called me back then to go in and talk to him and realize he doesn't really do what i wanted to do what i was looking to like i was looking to get into a lot of the like early childhood experience stuff and dealing with childhood trauma and all that stuff, you know, addressing it as an adult, he doesn't really do any of that. Hmm. And in our case, it ended up working out. What he really does well, he does a lot of addiction therapy, which I have that history, but that's not what I'm struggling with right now in my life. And then marriage therapy. So he ended up becoming like our marriage therapist uh, fucking by accident. Right. And that was just by luck. Right. You know, that was total luck. And, you know, so now I still don't have an individual therapist that does what I want to do. I go to, you know, self-help meetings for that. (laughs) But it's like I navigated that whole. And this all of that, by the way, took weeks to months of time. Yeah. So if you're in a crisis. Right. Right. You know, good luck. I don't fucking know what you do. Or you just get stuck with bills out of pocket. Yeah. Yeah. Crisis and, and like. 
don't have the resources that you had to do all that kind of research. Um, yeah, we, we talked about this before. Caroline was looking for a therapist and she's like, Oh, I got somebody, a friend, Jason, he's in the field. He'll know. No, I don't fucking know. Right. (laughs) Right. Like, okay. So I work at Bodie. Um, and we have 28 clinicians. Wow. I think I know. Yeah, I know. And a lot of them are virtual. So I know maybe 18 of them. There's like 10 of them. I don't know at all. Right. Mm -hmm. And then of those 18, like, how the fuck do I know what they do in therapy? Right. right? Like, we're you all doing something different. Yeah, yeah, I know them as a coworker. They're a friendly enough person. Like, I will say, over time, getting to spend time with people, you do start to get a feel. Like, yeah, is this person doing the same kind of stuff I am? Are they doing something a little different? Maybe I agree or disagree, whatever. Um, but, yeah, then you look at it. Okay, well, there's also, what, 50 other therapists in Cecil County. I know fucking next to nothing about them right now granted I, I can look at the mainstay in america at least u.s uh psychology today is where everybody seems to go and i can read through them and see if they sound like bullshit or if they sound like somebody that knows what they're talking about that i can do but even then like they could be using ai to write their ex- their bios exactly. at this point look yeah. I, my and, and and I know how much everybody reads those fucking bios because I have one that specifically says in my own practice, which is all I'm on there for, I don't take any insurances. I'm not in network. It lays it out. This is the cost for, out of your pocket, right? And people contact me all the time. Are you in network with this insurance? And I'm like, I know nobody reads this shit. <laughs> but, but yeah, no. Somebody you, does. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I really. do. People I like do you. read it. <laughs> all those people who aren't contacting me because they're looking for an insurance. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, when I was looking for a real therapist, I, I say a real therapist, I had been to therapy a couple of times, same problem, didn't know really what I was looking for, no idea if I was even ready to do anything. Um, but when I went in search of really ready to make some fucking changes, that was one of the things that stressed me the fuck out. I don't want to have to pick a therapist, try three months, realize it's wrong, and then start to fuck over eight times to find mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. So for me, what it was important was that I had a recommendation from somebody I knew and trusted that had been and seen this person and felt like it had changed their fucking life. And I was willing to pay out of pocket. It was $135 a session, which this was like fucking, I don't know, 12 years ago. And that was even like, that's fucking standard now, you know, but it was pretty expensive. But it was like... That price to me helped me feel safe knowing I was in the right place. And that was so fucking important to me. And like, I get it. Most people don't have that option. I, I don't know how the fuck I made it through doing it. Like, it was so expensive. But the the feeling of like, I, I feel like for the most part, can't say this is true all the time. But in my mind, if you're willing to go out on a limb and say, I'm not accepting insurances anymore because I hate dealing with that fucking process because it's bullshit and gets in the way of me actually helping you then you're probably got something to back that up, like some skills to keep hmm. people coming and helping them. That's my take on it. I, I get it. That's not the way we want it to it work. We want insurance like, to fucking yeah. cover the shit, but it does seem like the best therapists are the ones that don't take insurance because we get tired of dealing with the yeah. bullshit and we know we're good enough. We don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. I know, like, I know I, I'm helping people. I'm yeah. watching it. Yeah. I you know. know. I was talking, I was actually, I had dinner last night with um, a new friend that I actually met in an ACA meeting and she's a therapist and we were talking about the same thing. And she does take insurance. She has a private practice. She said that she she does day. it because... Huh? I might one day. Yeah. She said she does it because she wants to be able to help the people that need to go that route. But too. yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. It seems like all of the best seem to not, you know? 
or yeah. most of the best. Most of the best seem to not because well, they can because it's yeah. a, it's a pain in the ass. And when and you see, can, that's yeah. where we started this episode. I right? got to deal with that kind of bullshit if I want to work with insurances. I got to deal with the fact that they can say, oh, what you wrote in this note uh, isn't good enough. We don't think you're actually helping them. We're not going to pay. Or, hey, um, we were paying, but now you owe us the last six months of that money back because we decided it wasn't valid. For the last six months or hey every year when you're still talking to that person now you got to write us a letter and explain why you're still seeing them after a year because it really shouldn't be even though therapy takes like five fucking years anyway well and again like, not to go down the oh, rabbit oh, hole shit. of devil's advocate but part of that too is a society thing that like if someone comes to see you know a let's just say a, a sexual abuse person who's got a history of some kind of sexual abuse and then they're sexually assaulted or whatever those people turn around they sue the person they sue the company they work for they sue the insurance company and all those people end up fucking liable yeah. because they didn't do due diligence or whatever else so we live in this society where you know, when a person does something wrong, it's like, well, let's just sue everybody and try to get money out of every hand that we can. Well, we want <laughs> liability and, and vengeance because we don't know what healing is. Right. You know what I mean? When you don't know what healing is, you just want everything to lash out. Right. I'm not willing to feel these feelings, so everybody else will feel that pain for me. Right. And then, you know, there is some level of like, well, who is responsible for saying that's a safe yes. person when there was seven warning signs that they were not a safe person all you know. seven billion of us <laughs> right you know? right we've created the pain in the world right as a, a people you know some people get the blessings at the top and the rest of us get to carry the pain that they don't yeah. feel well and of course like hindsight though is is whatever they say hindsight's 2020 it's like you get to the end of one of those stories and you realize there was all these red flags all along the way and each person ignored one or two you know by the end there was 10 and you know then you someone got set up to be in a horrible situation and here's the fairness of it all at least as i can see it like i will sit here today and tell you how fucked up this process is and how cruddy all these things are and how i shouldn't have to feel this way as a human that has grown and learned and changed and then let me come back in five years after one of my kids has seen a therapist that was on drugs and fucking fucked him up somehow and i'll be like why don't we have more standards in this industry <laughs> right. right you know this therapist so, told my kids some crazy yeah. shit like <laughs> let me let me also be aware enough right. to know that i could stand on the other side of this really quickly <laughs> tell them quit school and leave their parents <laughs> yeah. like. right right don't listen to your parents they're not important right. <laughs> whoa wait a minute they don't know what they're talking about Who's certifying these people right <laughs> Let this right. shit be so willy nilly. Right. Yeah. Or, I mean, a tragedy of someone dying right. in their grief, people will yeah. get quite aggressive, you know. Yeah, man. Yeah. How can we learn as a society to feel our feelings instead of forcefully saying, no, everyone else will feel this pain instead of me? You know? Yeah. Well, and it's hard. I mean, we don't live in a society that deals with nuances very well. No. You know, it's like things get categorized or put into big bowls of, you know, oh, you fit in this bowl, you fit in this bowl, you fit in this bowl. And when you don't fit into one of those bowls easily, it's almost like, uh, we don't know what to do with you. So just what a good luck. Right. <laughs> right. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. 
check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us. <laughs>